Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton, and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to talk about some bundle sites like Humble Bundle and Fanatical. I'm also going to talk about some movies and single-player games. Got a lot to talk about, so I'm going to dive right in. First thing I want to talk about is single-player games and character generation. I know I've talked about in the past that single-player games just haven't really been doing it for me. And then I played Greedfall, and that kind of changed. And while that game is still a lot of fun, and I really did enjoy my time with it, I haven't really gone back. And it's not so much because I didn't like it, but it just isn't calling me because I have this weird thing in my head that suggests that online games have greater value to me than single-player games. Uh, You can't beat the story in a single-player game. They can spend a lot more time on that kind of thing, and... I don't know why I'm not compelled back into that arena. I was thinking about it the other day because uh, Red Dead Redemption 1, when that came out, I couldn't put it down. I pretty much played it nonstop until I finished it. And when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, I did get it, and I played it for a while, but I just found it overall kind of boring. It's not that it's uh, not beautiful and well thought out with a lot of really great systems, It's just that there's so much going on that I don't care about that I couldn't find myself getting back into it. And part of that comes from the fact that in the first game, I felt like there was a much more defined goal for the player. And in the second one, it's a little bit more, hey, just survive until we figure out what we're going to do next. And in a way, that doesn't really work for me. I need a little bit more of a compelling reason to go on. Uh, Mass Effect did a great job of that. Uh, right off the bat, you're going onto the planet and you're figuring out what happened to the colony. So it keeps you engaged and it keeps you moving the whole time. And eventually it opens up, but it doesn't start as open as uh, Red Dead did. Now, I think I might have enjoyed Red Dead more if I'd have been allowed to make my own character. And that's something that is almost a deal breaker for me when it comes to single player games. It's actually what compelled me to get greedfall in the first place was the ability to make my character and the fact that she had a voice was just awesome if i can make my character i'm much more likely to try the game it's probably why i liked assassin's creed odyssey more than i liked origin because i was able to pick one of the two and then once you pick them you actually do have multiple paths to go down you could be a complete ass and murder a whole bunch of people or you can find a more political way of going about the different objectives and end with a, um, well, uh, however you want to put it, a more positive ending, uh, if you like. Uh, it's why I really like the Fallout games, Fallout 3, Fallout 4. Um, you know, the character creation, is a, it's really important to me. I really, really, really enjoy that. Now, if I talk about two of the Fallout games in particular, Fallout 3, I loved that game. Despite the fact that your character didn't have a voice and you, you just clicked on your different dialogue options, it was still a fantastic game. It allowed me to do two different playthroughs that I often do in those games. Now, one of them is a little deranged. Um, I, I try and do a like super good guy playthrough in Fallout, and then I do a really dark one. Um, Fallout 3 and New Vegas both allowed for that very easily. I was able to play uh, my sort of Brotherhood of Steel. I'm going to help everybody I can, and I'm never going to do something evil. And then I make this creepy doctor who uses only melee weapons and cruises around the wasteland doing terrible things. Now, Fallout 4, you really couldn't be the type of jerk 
you could be in the previous games. It was really hard. I tried to do it. I made the male character, and I went through, and I was just brutal, but it, it never really pans out. Oftentimes, you just can't even do a quest because you're being too much of a jerk. So I didn't really like that aspect of it. And I really think that Mass Effect set the stage because not only did your character have a voice, but based on the decisions that you made during conversation, you shaped their personality, whether they were a renegade or a paragon, whether they were mean or not. The interrupts were really cool, and I, I they were just super dynamic. Another great example, it's not a single-player game, but it does have a lot of impact, is the Knights of the Old Republic uh, MMO. Your character could really change their personality throughout the story. You could be a complete animal by the end, really embrace the dark side and do terrible, terrible things, no matter if you were on the Republic or the Sith side. And I felt like... That just, that was like my perfect game. It was like a combination of I could hang out with some other people, but I could also pretty much just focus on a story and never see them at all. And so while I do say it's not really single player, it kind of is. In fact, I highly recommend The Old Republic to anybody because it is essentially eight single player games. And if you do it the way I did it, which is I played a good and evil version of most of those characters, I actually kind of got 16 different games out of it. You can even get more specific in the fact that when I played the Sith Inquisitor, my character was a Chiss, and she was segregated against because she was an alien several times. When I went through it as a human Sith Inquisitor, it was a very different experience again. So there's a lot of ways to experience those stories, and that is just awesome. And I really feel like if a single-player game is going to come out, it really needs to go along the lines of at least Knights of the Old Republic vanilla. Now, there is a new game I haven't tried yet called Disco Elysium, and it promises to be the closest representation to a tabletop role-playing experience as you can get. Now, I can't say whether that's true or not, but just reading about it and seeing some screenshots from a friend as he's playing it has shown me that it is nuts how good of a job they've done in creating a really interactive uh, dialogue system. The reviews under themselves tell you what you can kind of get up to in the game. So it actually looks like quite a bit of fun. I just haven't tried it yet. Um, it's not that I don't want to, but it's that he said that a lot of the characters have voice acting, but it's still a very text-heavy game, and I'm not really into reading a whole lot in a video game. I would rather just read a book at that point. So... Um, I know that I'm in a, a contradiction here because I really want this deep story and I want to have all this control over my character, but then at the same time, I don't want to have to do a whole lot of reading in the game. And it really comes back to Mass Effect doing it so well, it's hard to branch off from that. I pretty much want another game like Mass Effect that is just as engaging. And Greedfall is damn close. It just didn't do it, possibly because I've evolved as a gamer into a more ADD-oriented person. I mean, I play Destiny a lot. I still do. I just tried We Happy Few, which seems pretty linear so far, but it does have a really compelling story. And it's a little bit more fast-paced. It's teaching you about the world as you go, which I really like. It's not slow at all. I mean, you dive right in. It's super cool in that regard. And that's the kind of game that I've been mostly interested in. Now, all that said, the uh, Outer Worlds comes out on the 25th, and I did pick up the Xbox Game Pass so that I can play that. And I do intend to stream that at least as long as I play it on that day one event and see how it goes. Um, 
friend of mine watched a video and he described it as pretty much Fallout. Um, I watched a video and it was a much older one. And the problem with it was that it was, uh, it was an old enough build to where the AI pretty much was just standing there letting themselves be shot. He said that was no longer the case. So I'm pretty excited about seeing how that pans out. But once again, it's a single player game and I'm pretty leery about it. However, from what I understand, you can make your characters. So right there, it gets a big bonus for me. Plus, I hadn't picked up Game Pass before, so it was only a dollar. On that note, about the Game Pass, there are quite a few games to give a shot to. And I'm going to tell you, I did try Hello Neighbor, but it wouldn't even install. There was a problem with it. And I looked all over the internet and couldn't find a solution. Contacted Microsoft, they couldn't give me a solution. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to do there, but be leery about it because you might encounter the game that you want to try also having that problem. I did install Sea of Thieves and We Happy Few and a couple other titles, and they all seem to work just fine. I don't know what it is about that one title, but uh, there you have it. Anyway, so one title out of a bunch didn't work. Kind of sucks that it was one I wanted to try, but uh, regardless, I think that the Game Pass is probably worth your time. If you get it right now, it's a dollar to start. And then $4.99 a month for the PC version. And then you get six months of the premium version of Spotify. So it's a really good deal. And if you're an Xbox gamer, if you have the console, it's only $10 more and you get the same stuff that I just talked about. Plus you get Xbox Gold. So Gold is normally $10 a month anyway. So with the Spotify thing, you're getting kind of $5 back. Um, Definitely worth it. And there is a lot of games on there. If you're interested in like Gears of War 5, for example, or... Just a whole, uh, the whole ton of them. Hop over and check it out. I'll put the link in the description. It's definitely worth your time. I think it's one of the best subscription services out there, especially since I've tried Ubisoft and I've tried uh, EA Origin, and I like this one the best. Speaking of subscription services and games, the new Star Wars game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is about to come out, and it seems like a good time to hop back into EA Origin Access. Give that a shot. Um, I don't know. I think it looks okay. I looked through it. It it might be a bit linear, but I can tell you that the folks who made it are the same guys who made the um, Titanfall 2, and that campaign was a heck of a lot of fun. So I imagine this one is going to be much in the same vein, probably fairly linear, maybe not super bad, because I did hear that in the beginning you get to pick which planets you want to go to and such. But we'll see how much freedom there really is in there. Uh, all around, I'm I'm fairly optimistic on this title. It looks like a pretty neat single-player game. It does go against what I've just talked about, um, being able to make your own character. And I know that the game kind of got lambasted because of the um, character they picked and the actor and all that stuff. got pretty mean, actually. I was, I was a little surprised at how cruel people are just for the fact that the character didn't turn out to be someone they wanted. Um, I think that they could have avoided it by having multiple choices, Uh, much like Assassin's Creed Odyssey did, but, uh, you know, they had a story they wanted to tell, and that's the way they wanted to tell it. So um, I think it's pretty crappy to go after game companies for picking a specific character choice uh, simply because they didn't, uh, whatever these fans in particular, didn't like the choice being made or the direction being taken uh, just because... It was a white guy with red hair. They are under the impression that that's a good reason to give the game crap and immediately assume it's going to be terrible because they didn't make it a strong female character or an, or an alien or whatever else they could have done. I mean, I can say 
there are character choices I would have rather seen. I wouldn't have minded seeing a uh, female character option, for sure. Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing some character generation, honestly. Like I said, it really does help engage the player when they have some choice on who they're going to play throughout this however long it ends up being it could be a, a six hour game or it could be a 25 40 50 hour game it doesn't matter in fact the longer it is the more chance you're going to be engaged with it if you had some say over the way your character looks or responds or any of that stuff from what i understand from just listening to some of the early impressions suggest that you don't have a lot of control over what happens through dialogue options but it's kind of still too early to tell in that regard so I am curious what uh, it'll be like, and considering that EA Origin is a $14.99 investment to give it a shot, I really can't see any reason not to give it a try. I mean, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than other games that I've spent a lot more for and didn't play as long, so hopefully it will be really neat. The combat system itself seems like it should be pretty fun. Um, the people who are talking about it are giving it some tentative thumbs up but i do think a lot of people are really nervous that it isn't going to be that good or that this is not the game to redeem star wars however you want to go with that i think it's pretty ridiculous to put any kind of um, burden on a video game like this and i can't really see it being so innovative that people are going to say oh there it is that's the definitive star wars experience finally unleashed to the world but but who knows i think people are looking fondly back on the games like uh, jedi outcast or jedi academy mysteries of the sith uh, uh, dark forces all of those games which were pretty fantastic but if you go back to them and you take those rose colored uh, glasses off you find that they were pretty linear for the most part and while they did have some really neat aspects they they had their faults too um, there's not perfect games. There's not games that perfectly embody certain things. So it's really unfair to ever put a mantle on something. And, and it really is just a path to become disappointed in what you've bought or paid for or spend time on. And, you know, that can be said too of these new movies for the most part. I think that, uh, I don't, I don't feel like I had some overwhelming expectations when I went in to see The Force Awakens. I will say that they were not met, whatever those expectations were. And I was really surprised to see the critics love that movie so much when it was so akin to the previous movies and had so many silly aspects like the uh, the big planet weapon that drew power from the sun and fired a beam out across the stars to blow stuff up. And then the second time they were going to do it, it was going to destroy the whole planet. It just seemed like a real waste of resources to make a weapon that only fired twice. I guess they were gambling on the fact that they only would have to fire it twice ever and finish off all their enemies or something. But that was that was just crazy. I mean, there's a lot of little things in the movie. Uh, Poe Dameron's miraculous return without any real exposition as to what happened to him as another example. And when... The second one, uh, the the Last Jedi, came out, and the critics gave it a pretty pretty good rating, but it is polarized when you look at the audience scores, which are just horrible, and I don't know what people expected there either. Now, again, I really dislike the Last Jedi. I'm one of the people who just hated it, 
But when I went in, my expectations were immediately cast aside when uh, Luke casually tosses the lightsaber over his shoulder. I just felt that was so cheap after watching the last movie a year ago and they lead up to this huge profound moment his big cameo where he's in the movie for about 10 seconds and he's handed the lightsaber and instead of any kind of comment or anything at all it he just throws it away now i know that the whole point is that they're trying to kill the past and i kind of get that but to me why not just make new star wars movies why try to conclude the the trilogy you know if you're trying to do it for fan service well it's obvious that the people who you were trying to cater to were really unhappy about it and if you were just doing it to make money that's pretty crappy but there are so many other ways that they've been able to make tons and tons of money so i don't know i think they could have done a better job with a brand new series and if they would have just left out all those legacy characters and just done something fresh then it would have probably done just fine like rogue one that was a great movie i love that one and i liked solo quite a bit too um i'm not sure why they didn't just go on their own they have the whole universe to explore and instead of doing that they just fell back on an old reliable situation and kind of crapped on it and interestingly enough they're really banking on this whole legacy thing the hype train is freaking real i mean every time i turn around it's the new trailer is coming or uh, some answer to a question you've had forever and the director is serious about it and on and on and on so in a way they're acknowledging that the last jedi wasn't as awesome as they were previously or earlier this year when they were still backing it up and they're doing that the same way that the x-men tried to uh, save dark phoenix by uh, preying on our nostalgia by showing trailers that had all of the previous x-men movies that did much better and then when dark phoenix came out it crashed now Star Wars is not going to do that. Um, I'm quite certain it's going to make a bajillion dollars and it'll be just fine. So they don't have to worry about it the way that the X-Men did. But it is interesting. I mean, if you saw my Facebook feed, I swear I see at least five Star Wars things a day trying to sell me on whether it be the director or some actor talking about how awesome it's going to be or some piece of spoiler information or that one thing you've been wondering. I got to be honest, there's nothing I've been wondering about it. Last Jedi pretty much killed my curiosity. Uh, all of their little rule changes and stuff, I just I just didn't care anymore. And uh, I'll probably still see Rise of Skywalker. I want to see the end. I want to see if J.J. Abrams fixes it up. But I did see something interesting about him recently, a comment from some random person on a uh, forum. And they basically said that J.J. Abrams is a director for the social media generation, as in he comes up with some really cool ideas, but he doesn't execute them to the fullest extent of their potential. Um, he has a lot of really neat ideas, but then they all just sort of stay mysterious because he doesn't explore them deeply enough. And, you know, and I have to admit, that seems pretty darn accurate because uh, Mission Impossible 3 was one of my least favorite movies. Not just least favorite Mission Impossibles, but my least favorite movies. And after that film, I really don't feel like they 
ever got to be as good as the first or second one. I know that might be a controversial opinion because I know a lot of people gave the second movie a hard time, but what I liked about the second movie more than what it is on its own is what it represented. The idea that multiple directors could be attacking this and creating something new. And J.J. Abrams had the opportunity to do something really fresh, and, and granted, it was nothing like the first two movies. I hear that it was a lot like an episode of Alias, just without the main character from that show in it. And that's kind of interesting, but uh, I'm glad that I never watched Alias, because I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it if Mission Impossible 3 is a good example of what that show was like. Um, I just felt like he takes his character's and makes them terrible. But before they become terrible, he spends an awful lot of time telling us how amazing they are. A great example is his Star Trek movie. When I first saw it, I got wrapped up in the spectacle and I really enjoyed it. But upon a second viewing, I really started to realize, for example, Captain Kirk, he spends a lot of time saying he's amazing. He's, you know, a genius level repeat offender, that kind of thing. But once he gets into Starfleet, he continually screws up throughout the whole movie. And by the end, his successes are really accidents. And I really feel like that sort of sums up how J.J. Abrams treats his characters. They are supposed to be amazing at their jobs, but ultimately they just sort of fumble through by the skin of their teeth and somehow come out at the end. And it doesn't even make sense that they do. They, they should have failed long before. But it's always kind of bothered me after I figured that out, after I saw that in the Star Trek movie, and I went back and watched Mission Impossible 3, and then, of course, Star Wars, it felt the same way. And, mm, I don't know. I wish I could have liked his stuff, because he's got his hands in a lot of, uh, a lot of products now. But, uh, you know, he's one of those people that if I see his name, I'm pretty, pretty much staying away these days. So... Anyway, that's my whole thing on Star Wars, movies, and hype, and all that stuff. I'm going to move on to something else. So I really wanted to talk about the website Humble Bundle. If you've never been over there to check it out, they've got a lot of really great deals besides just their uh, subscription that you can have every month. A while back, I bought all of these um, Warhammer 40k role-playing books, and uh, they were in PDF, and you get a whole bunch based on how much you spend. I think I got 16 or 20 books and basically you'd spend a dollar to get a certain number and then maybe eight dollars and then however much more to get the complete set. So right now they've got a uh, World of Darkness set and it's like old school World of Darkness so uh, and it looks like it's mostly supplements. So like for example if you pay one dollar or more you unlock uh, Rage Across Egypt uh, Cairo by Night and Book of the City. And then for $8 or more, you get uh, quite a few more books. You get Hong Kong, DC by Night, Berlin by Night, Chicago by Night, first and second edition, A World of Rage, uh, San Francisco by Night, and Rage Across Australia. Then if you spend 15 or more, you also unlock New Orleans by Night, uh, Rage Across the Heavens, New York by Night, Rage Across New York, Mexico City by Night, Rage Across the Amazon, and finally Rage Across Appalachia. So lots of books, and your grand total that you'd spend to get all of that stuff would be only $15. They do a lot of these bundles, and they're not just role-playing books. For example, right now they've also got one for computer 
productivity and coding. Uh, you pay one dollar or more and you could get a book on C programming, some cloud computing basics, a whole bunch of stuff like that. For eight or more, you get 3D printing, software testing, AutoCAD, and for 15 or more, you get things like Python 3, uh, Excel functions and formulas, embedded vision, 3D game programming, and, and so on and so forth. And that's just two. That's just two of the bundles. Um, they've also got things like uh, the RPG Maker It Returns. Um, they've got, in that, you've got software that you could buy that is the actual RPG Maker VX and a whole bunch of assets for it. Now, all the way up to just a ton of crazy stuff on how to do different types of scripting for it and that kind of thing. So all around, you could get a great deal of material from hum Humble Bundle for well under $20. Um, for example, the uh, RPG Maker one, they call that at uh, a value of $793. The software one I mentioned is valued at $941. That World of Darkness one is at $248. So tons of cool stuff. And then on top of that, they've got other things that you can get into as well. Um, they're not necessarily bundles, but for example, they've got the female protagonist sale right now. And if you hop in there, it's got six days left, and it's got Wolfenstein the Youngblood uh, game, and it's at 35% off, so you'd get it for $25.99, and Control is 25% off, dropping it down to $44.99. You could get um, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice for 15 bucks, um, And that's just, again, that's just one of their deals. So I highly recommend trying out Humble Bundle. It's a super cool site. I've got a lot of great stuff from there. I've subscribed a couple times. I will say that their current subscription offering isn't really that great, in my opinion. Uh, it comes with Call of Duty, World War II, Spyro, and Crash Bandicoot. But I think that you could pretty much get those for a lot cheaper uh, individually. And if you didn't, if you really wanted them, you probably already had them. But the um, last month's wasn't too bad. It had the Battletech game, which is normally around $40. And uh, so you got it for the $12.99 bundle price. And um, what they didn't, they don't, they don't tell you what everything is going to be in it, of course. So you, you basically get the bundle based on a couple of titles that they call out. And then once the uh, time comes and it unlocks, then you get to see what else you, um, you uncovered. So in this case, last month, it was 10 games. Uh, you got the Battletech game, two expansions for it, Sonic Mania, uh, Planet Alpha, and a couple other things. I'll say this. Um, when I did get it, uh, when did I get it? I think I picked it up for Call of Duty 4. And the rest of the games that it came with, I, I couldn't even give them away. Nobody wanted them. The next month, a friend has the bundle, and he actually gave me the Mechanicus game. That was the only one I really wanted out of that. And then after that, they came out with one that had Kingdom Come Deliverance and Surviving Mars. And that was actually, that's not a bad, that's not a bad one. Um, that Kingdom Come game is pretty long, so uh, it's pretty much worth it. But I think I think you got to be a lot more open-minded about games to do these bundles. Another one that's a lot like it that I've bought a couple times, uh, that I bought from a couple times, is Fanatical. They've got a lot of really great deals. In fact, that's where I picked up Tabletop Simulator so that we could play our role-playing game online. And um, I got the four-pack for basically the cost of one copy of the game. Um, they offer these mystery bundles. So you spend like six bucks and you get ten game keys and they can be anything. Literally anything from Steam. 
Um, they do promise that they won't be, you know, terrible. I don't know exactly how they make that promise. And I have criticized them in a survey about it. But one of the times I did it, I actually got like Call of Duty 2. And I wrote them about it and I said, really? Why would you even have this as a title? No one is playing this. So they actually refunded that one and they gave me a different key. And it was for something else I couldn't give away. Um, <laughs> so those those mystery keys, you've just got to be like, I'll play anything. Because otherwise they're just completely useless. I have yet to get anything from them that I actually played. Uh, the reason I have any of them at all is because I have bought games that I wanted off of the site. And then they say at the checkout, they're like, if you spend an extra four bucks, we'll give you six six game keys. And I'm like, well, all right, fine, throw them in. And then I get them and I'm like, wow. And like I said, I go to my friends on the Discord channel and I literally can't even give the games away. People are like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't want them. So I've got a whole bunch of game keys that are literally just sitting there and will probably never be used. I let them know that I think their their games are far too varied and that we should be able to make like some kind of profile that allows us to at least ensure that we're getting games that we might play. You know, maybe we should be picking three to four different genres and then when we get a mystery set, it compares against that and it tries to pull from that pool rather than just throwing us, you know, completely random stuff from a, a real-time strategy to a nine-year-old first-person shooter to some turn-based game to a weird indie game that doesn't make any sense that you've never heard of. I mean, I've received all of these things. Now, they have made some changes where, like, when you go to one of their mystery packs, it has the statement that you'll get some AAA title in there. Well, their definition of AAA... And mine somewhat differed. So um, ultimately, I didn't really know uh, what that meant. And I wasn't really willing to try. But I've seen some of these bundles where other people bought them. And they're not that impressive. So Fanatical's big strength is finding a title you really want. And finding out that it's like 12 bucks, Whereas it's 25 bucks everywhere else. And in those cases, they're definitely worth using. But... As far as bundles are concerned, I think Humble Bundle is a much better choice when it comes to getting a group of stuff that you might have the potential of using, um, especially in the case of the ones where it actually tells you where it all is and and the tiers where you spend a certain amount to unlock each of the tiers. Now, those are really cool. Whereas on Fanatical, if you buy a mystery box, you know maybe they've got a mystery box that has 10 keys in it. If you buy two there's a chance you'll get duplicates. They even warn you about it. So they don't even have it to be, they don't even have it sophisticated enough to check what you're buying and ensure that you're getting fresh product each time. You are pretty much stuck with what you get. So um, I do want to caution people about Fanatical. I have spent enough money on it to know that the chances are good that unless you literally do not care about what games you play and you'll just play anything, chances are very good you'll be wasting your money. Whereas on Humble Bundle, you have a you have control over what you're spending your money on, and I think you'll you'll like what you get there a lot better. So definitely go over and check out Humble Bundle. Make sure you see if they've got anything. Be sure to check back frequently because it is quite often that they add new stuff, and uh, once those bundles run out, then they put new new things in their place. Uh, there's a music equivalent 
to these and it's BST Buzz. They have some amazing deals. Not always stuff that I want, but as long as you check back frequently, there's a good chance that you'll find something that you can use. So uh, I'll put the links to these sites in the description for the podcast. And I highly encourage you, if you're a musician, to be keeping a sharp eye on VST Buzz. And if you just want to keep an eye out for some great PDFs or great games, Humble Bundle for sure. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I appreciate you stopping by. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to check out our website and keep track of the schedule. You can find us at www.societycasefiles.com or www.roberthazelton.com. Don't forget to follow or support the project at ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. See you again in a week. Bye now.